0: never ever marks the spot.
1: I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. What's your favorite scary movie? Falamogules of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier.
0: I'm Batman.
1: Drakaris.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that recently learned if you choose to spend a paycheck on Dungeons & Dragons dice sets, no one is going to stop you. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here, how's it going, man? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, do I have to roll initiative for that, or uh... nope? Just know that uh, my counterpart in life has bought a lot of dice lately.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Actually, I've
0: been laughing about it because I was told that I'm not. I spend too much money on Dungeons and Dragons miniatures, and I need to cut back. And then. To three sets of dice showed up that I didn't know were or ordered, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh really? Do you see the hypocrisy here?"
1: Nice. yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, and so these then, are the uh, kind of arguments that we should be having though. So no, that's what? great. These are the kind of arguments that uh, you're supposed to have though. So that's great. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so yeah, how are you, man? How's your week? <clears throat>
1: Uh, pretty good. Uh, it's been busy. Uh, spent almost the entire weekend at... Uh, there's like a big fair by where we live that uh, we went to the whole time. I don't know if you heard about the fair, Drew, but... <laughs> oh, the big the big sandwich fair? Yeah. <laughs> well, I wasn't trying to dox us or anything, but yeah, spent, uh, spent some time there this weekend, which was fun. Uh, I went there with my family for like two days in a row... And by, like, halfway through the second day, I was just sort of fared out. Like, I feel like one day was enough. (laughs) But it's just one of those things where, like, it's fun and exciting for a little bit. But then after, like, a full day and a half, I was just done with it. And uh, the other thing is, and it sounds super lame, but I just feel like I'm old and I just can't handle all the fair food like I used to. Like, (laughs) Like, I used to be downing all that, like, fried food nonstop. But now I'm just like... I, I need a bridge now. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I said fried stuff with cheese. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, when I, uh, yeah, I don't eat any of that fair food anyway. Like, even when I go to festivals, I'm always looking for, like, and I hate to say this, like, the healthy option. Like, and it's not because I don't want to eat the fair food. It's the, let's say you go out for the whole day. And you're like, it's hot out and it's on the sun. The last thing I need yeah. to be doing right now is drinking beer and consuming sugar. <laughs> How about this? Can I get a water and maybe some fruit and a hamburger or something? And then when it gets dark out and it's not so blistering hot, I'll have like some like weird fair food because then my my, my system will be a little more in tune to this. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. And you're just talking about drinking beer in the heat. It reminds me of, like, you see these people who go to, like, uh, like L- Lollapalooza or other, like, big summer festivals. And they just, like, down, like, cheap, light beer all day. And it's just, like, how do you, like, <laughs> first of all, how are you not, like, in the hospital for dehydration? Second of all, like, you had to have spent, like, 200 bucks on beer that day. Like, I just don't get how you're pulling this off. But uh, yeah. it is what it is. I guess. <laughs> um, well, all the pleasantries aside, you want to get into this night's episode and talk about what we're watching? Sure thing. Um, yeah, this week I've been doing really good, uh, keeping myself busy. Though <laughs> I've literally only watched Ahsoka this week, so cool. I'm current on Ahsoka. Um, I feel like I might have watched another movie or something, but it's just escaping my memory. That's really all the only thing I feel like I've watched this week. So. Well, I watched Ahsoka as well, so we
0: can talk about that in a minute. There are three trailers I need to bring up that I feel really bad that I didn't tell you about. Interesting. Um, so, like, I feel really bad that I didn't say something about oh, this. Okay. Um, but, uh, but I will bring it up, and I'm gonna say go check them out, please. Um, one of the trailers is for um the show minus or the movie minus one that's coming out. Do you know about this?
1: Minus one, right? Yeah. I've seen the title thrown about a little bit, but I don't know that I actually know what it is. So yeah,
0: hold on, I'm really concerned. I have this wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's Godzilla. It's the new Godzilla film coming out from Japan. It's Godzilla minus one.
1: Okay. Yes, Uh, I have not seen this trailer. That's why. That's why it's familiar because I've seen. It mentioned online and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, what was uh, so you check the trailer out for this one? Um, Yeah, so I watched the trailer. This
0: is basically. um, Let's take let's do an old school Japanese Godzilla film, but modern day. Um, And there is points where and like Godzilla looks the way he looks in the old school Godzilla films. But it's like the perfect blend of I, I really do, because when you look at those original Godzilla films, he is literally a guy in a suit on like a model city. And then it's like you show the footage of the guy knocking on the buildings and you, you know, like, you know show the people running in the streets, <laughs> you know, the way they should that shot that together. Um, this looks like the perfect blend of that. But you're still getting some CG in the creature and. Um, It looks awesome. Like, it looks fantastic, but it is a Japanese Godzilla film the way that you would expect Godzilla to be, like, back in the day. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, looks incredible. The other trailer that I saw was for the Apple TV show Monarch, which is Monarch, meaning it is the Apple TV show that is based, that is, well, a continuation of the film's. Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Godzilla versus King Kong.
1: Alright then. So it literally
0: uh, so it literally picks up where those movies ended. And so I,
1: I didn't I feel like the uh, it was like Project Monarch was like the government investigation of like all the kaiju stuff from the Godzilla yeah. movies. I have that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. so that it's called
0: Monarch Legacy of Monsters, or if that's the whole title. Um but It shows you there's a you hear John Goodman talking and I'm like, is that John Goodman's voice like like a narrating during the trailer? I'm like, is that John Goodman's voice? And then you see a clip of John Goodman from Kong Skull Island. And I'm like, oh, no way. And then it goes into and like I knew this was coming, but and I knew Kurt Russell was in it and whatnot. But I was also like not really like expecting what I was getting. The show looks fantastic. It really, really does. Um and the CG on Godzilla looks better than probably any CG I've seen ever, maybe. Like wow, <laughs> like there's a shot where it turns and like roars at the camera, and you're just like, "That's the best looking Godzilla I've ever seen, ever." <laughs> um, that's great. But, but no, the trailer looks fantastic. Um, so I'm definitely down. And I, you said you had access to Apple TV, or think you do? I. <laughs> yeah
1: so i did that as you will (laughs) no so so we have um we have somebody who is sharing their account with us and uh the last time i tried to use it because i actually think i was going to watch um what was the show you were talking about the uh one about the people working at the video game studio quest yes i wanted to watch that show and then i need to get the login again or you know i Maybe I just need to stop being a cheapskate and get my own account. (laughs) That could be an option, too. (laughs)
0: You could do that, too. But
1: please, if you you do get access to Apple TV, please
0: watch Ted Lasso so we can talk about it. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) um, The other trailer that I watched was a trailer that dropped today called Total Killer. Have you heard about this? No, yeah. Okay, I don't All know right. about this either. So this is this is from Blumhouse. Uh, so immediately I got your attention. I know that because you're a big Blumhouse fan. But this is it. You know how Blum so Blumhouse did Happy Death Day, which was like um, a horror movie of um, Groundhog Day, and then they did Freaky, which was Freaky Friday horror yeah. version. Total Killer is. This that concept, we're going to do a horror version of whatever the next film is. And it's back to the future. All right. In the trailer, the girl is like her mother survived this like brutal attack by a serial killer. So several of her friends died. And then whatever happens, and it's kind of unclear what happens in the trailer as to how the time travel works, which is fine. We can worry about that when we see the movie. But she gets transported back to 1987 the weekend of that big murder that happened (laughs) so she meets her mom as a kid and as a teenager and stuff and then like they go out to the cabin where they were staying and then the murder like you're just like oh man this looks really cool in the sense that it's technically an 80s movie it's technically a we're gonna go do back to the future but we're gonna do it as a horror film (laughs) yeah so it's awesome um it looks really fun Um but yeah, like I mean other than other than what Blumhouse has shown us before, it just looks really fun. So
1: nice. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check all of those out. (laughs) So (laughs) Yeah. I feel bad. I feel like out of the know, but uh it happens. I know.
0: How about this? I feel bad for not telling (laughs) you.
1: So there's that. Um
0: All right, uh Ahsoka, let's talk about that.
1: Um what do you think of this episode, man? Yeah, um where even to begin? Um I really have been liking um Ahsoka as a series as a whole and I just feel like this episode is just another like really solid entry into this uh series. Um I was talking to a coworker uh the other day about Ahsoka and uh, she was telling me that like she actually has been really liking it but she didn't like I think it was episode 3. She wasn't a fan of and I was kind of asking about that and she had her reasons but honestly i feel like the series as a whole has been really good and it's one of those things where i don't necessarily know what all to say because i feel like this has just been kind of continually building off the last episode like all the episodes are kind of blending together um i let i love the stuff going on with the uh purgles um how they used that at the end of the episode to uh you know be able to to travel
0: to the other galaxy (laughs)
1: yeah that that was really cool um it's definitely something and i don't know how much that was touched on in rebels but um for me like that's like something new in the star wars universe you know like yeah the mandalorian was great um boba fett was great um and even though boba fett did some crazy stuff like had him riding on a rancor by the (laughs) end of the series and the final battle um I don't always feel like the other Disney Star Wars shows always give us something that we've never seen before in the Star Wars universe. So I feel like this episode is just continually, or is continuing to show us that. um, Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, where are you you sitting with this one? Because it's one of those, I feel like there's so many things to go into, but at the same time, this episode just felt like another step of the story. So I don't really know... What all to say this time, you know all what right. I mean? So for me this was probably one of this is probably the best episode we've ever had. Right.
0: Um the we'll start with this. So we don't know where Ahsoka is. Well those of us who are paying attention, like she's in the world of Between Worlds, right? She's separated from everybody. So we get to see that side of it. And um she's dealing with Anakin, who's battling her with a lightsaber. And you're getting to see an Ahsoka Anakin reunion duel if you will I'm still on the fence that that's actually Anakin I really don't know like after watching this episode I'm pretty sure that's Anakin or at least a manifestation of Anakin through the force yeah. um so is it a force ghost Anakin or is it Anakin actually trapped in the world between worlds so, probably more probably more on the force ghost side
1: can I I know like I want to keep letting you go but uh sure. I do kind of want to comment on that because I don't know With Force ghosts, I don't know how many rules there are. And, like, if a Force ghost shows up in one place, kind of like you were talking, Drew, at the end of Return of the Jedi, we see Anakin, and he looks a certain way, he has a certain set of clothes and stuff. If you see a Force ghost show up somewhere else, do they necessarily always have the same appearance? Or would Anakin show up in the form that he does because it's closest to how ahsoka would know him or might have like seen him last before he turned into vader like it it makes me curious how that works and i don't know if there's rules to it that you need to keep in mind when examining that sort of thing does that make sense yes and here's here's
0: and this and it's and this is what i'll add to this obi-wan yoda luke qui-gon jinn All looked the way they were left off. Right. Okay. And technically, so did Anakin in a way. However, Anakin was wearing a more, if you look at Return of the Jedi, he was wearing more of like Obi-Wan style Jedi robes, like the white underneath with the coat. However, this is Ahsoka in the world between worlds which is a nexus of the force that exists between space and time which could be allowed to show her things that she needs to see right so anakin's appearance in here where it could be a force ghost or it could be a manifestation of her own thoughts ahsoka seeing this is going to see the manifestation of anakin that she knows or at least that's how i'm kind of taking it or, that's the, not, manifestation, yeah, or I, the manifestation or the manifestation of the manifestation of Anakin that Anakin would present to her.
1: Right. And I was thinking, like, especially when going back through her memories and lessons he'd taught her in the past and stuff like that, that was where the question came in. Like, is he just presenting as a version of himself that makes sense in this context for her? Um, But I do think you're... I like how deeply you're thinking about this and that you're raising questions that I think are good to ask, you know, like, are we going to be thrown for a loop? And this ends up not being Anakin, like later in the season, uh, series, you know, that's, that's something interesting to think about. Yeah. Um, the next piece
0: of it is Anakin, they have their little lightsaber battle and Anakin now is going to show her things from her past because he's trying to get a point across and Like, that's completely, we haven't, um, we need to dissect that a little bit more, and I'm very fresh out of the episode because I watched it right before we hit, right before I sat in front of the microphone, but Ahsoka is now going to get transported to her past, not physically, but more like, I want to say more on a mental plane where she's now, or a, a plane or a plane of the force, if you will, where she goes and sees this moment in time from one of our very first battles in the clone wars which first off that was awesome to see um so we got to see that and um anakin comes running out wearing his costume from the clone wars television show that was awesome um (laughs) like that was just fantastic to see that live action Um, I also, if you didn't know the girl, the little girl who plays little Ahsoka in these flashbacks is the same girl who played little Gamora in the infinity war, um, flashback when they showed
1: baby Gamora. Crazy. That's Uh cool. Yeah. Um, she, by the way, her performance, I was like super impressed by, like, she is a great, uh, young actress. Like, I just thought she was like nailing all of her scenes when she was on screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, she certainly was. Um, so we had
0: that. Then they show us another flashback, which, man, let me tell you, um, they show this other flashback of Ahsoka and Anakin at the Siege of Mandalore. And I don't know if you noticed, and I actually was – I was waiting for it, but the Mandalorians, if you noticed, they had the spikes on their helmets. yeah. Because those are the Mandalorians. This is the point. This is a point in Mandalorian history where Darth Maul had seized control of Mandalore, and he had an entire legion of Mandalorians, like, um, who had uh, vowed their allegiance to him. So he was controlling Mandalore. And when they were showing that flashback, I almost thought we were going to get to see Darth Maul for a minute. I was like, Oh Dude. my God! Those are Mandal- <laughs> Maul DeLoreans. This is going to be fantastic. Are we going to see Darth Maul in this episode? Um, alas, we did not. But it was really cool because Ahsoka said, Anakin was like, I don't recognize this battle. And she's like, this is the Siege of Mandalore. You and I had parted ways at this point. And if you watch the final four episodes of the Clone Wars. So we'll we'll go with the final four episodes of the Clone Wars. The first one of the four, Anakin and Obi-Wan get called away to Coruscant to go rescue the Chancellor, which would set up, which sets up episode three. So you'd watch that episode. And then you'd watch episode three, Revenge of the Sith. And then when you watch the final three episodes of the Clone Wars afterwards, you see everything that happened on Mandalore, how Order 66 was handled, all that stuff. And then Anakin arrives, Anakin as Darth Vader arrives at Mandalore at the end of it. Um, absolutely amazing. And that was even cooler because they got they started talking and Anakin turns on a red lightsaber and you see that image of Anakin like you know walking into battle with the he becomes Darth Vader for that brief moment and I'm like that was a cool visage and then when he comes walking out of the smoke towards her like ready to fight and you see the flash of Vader I'm like oh my god that's fantastic so there were some really really cool amazing pieces of this episode that really need to be dissected way more yeah we have that subplot with Hera and the New Republic like not agreeing because the New Republic is just it doesn't matter what governments in the way they're really showing how bureaucracy is like a problem and it's constant corruption and no one believes anyone no one else will listen. Like, well, you're not sanctioned, so you're going to be arrested and stripped of your rank. Well, you're an idiot because look what's going on, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. And uh, and you had that cool moment with Jason uh, feeling Ahsoka feeling Ahsoka's presence through the forest and helping him rescue her. Um, let's be real. Jason Jarrus? Come on, Lucasfilm, you're a little better than that. Um, <laughs> like, when I, when I, I never really thought about it when they first mentioned his name in the previous episodes. I'm like, oh yeah, Jason, yeah, whatever. But Jason's the son of Hera and Kanan, but it's Kanan Jarrus.
1: And then I'm like, Jason Jarrus, really? <laughs> oh, uh, I gotcha. Well, I right, just figured I was like, it was, uh, Jason as a, uh you know, an homage to the extended universe, but, uh... <laughs> it it could have me. been, it could have been that,
0: but at the same time, I was, like, I put the two names together, I was, like, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like, uh, there is some, like, superhero alliteration there. Um, the part where he Oh, I wasn't is, thinking that, I was just
0: thinking Jason Jarrah seems way too close
1: to the same thing.
0: Like, you know, when you have someone with the first and last name are the same? Like... <laughs> oh, I gotcha, I gotcha. Or, like, um, you have two first names. Yeah. <laughs>
1: The one thing I will uh, comment on with that whole scene, though, is the uh, I think it was when, uh, you know, Jason is uh, listening to the waves and saying he can hear lightsabers and stuff. I think we got a hint of the uh, Jedi theme at that part. And uh, if you remember last episode of our podcast, I was complaining a little bit about how the Star Wars shows on Disney Plus Okay, so I've been proven wrong. They do use some of the Star Wars themes. But in my opinion, it's still a little bit less than they should. You know, where I'm thinking, like, the classic John Williams themes from the original Star Wars movies is one of the biggest strengths of Star Wars. And I kind of wish that Disney would, like, lean into those themes a little bit more with these shows. And I get that they want to do their own thing. But at the same time, like you know, give us some classic themes, because it would really, it would really hit you in the feels at certain parts, but uh, I was really happy to hear that theme in the background there. Um, Just a couple of things that you did mention, Drew, that I kind of wanted to comment on, is uh, when Ahsoka's, like, flashback sequence first starts, you know, she's, uh, She has this lightsaber battle with uh, Anakin on this weird, like, astral bridge sort of thing, and she falls off, and uh, the screen almost fades to white, and uh, it's kind of like she lands in this memory, and you see this younger version of Ahsoka, and uh, she's, like, surrounded by fog, and then you see a clone trooper run, you know, through the screen, running towards you. And then you see another one on the other side of the screen just running out of the fog. And, like cinematography wise, that was such a cool scene. That was just like, it was jarring, but in the best way, it's like, okay, I don't know what's going on, but I know this is cool. And the way the cinematography is playing out. is really holding my attention, and it's really great. Um, The other thing... Well, I had one more thing, but I didn't know if I'm... I don't want to derail you, because I didn't know if you were saying more about the episode, but I did have one comment about the purgles, but I could actually save that for a minute, (laughs) if
0: needed. Well, I didn't have too much more to say, because we have to see where this goes. We have to see what... um, There's some things that need to still be... Need to be dissected, like, force-wise. Like, we always... One thing Star Wars will do no matter where they go is as long as this story is progressing, they are progressing, progressing, progressing. (laughs) They will always tell you something new about the force that you didn't know. And that's really, really cool that we keep expounding on that. Right. Well, like I said, until we learn more about what's going on, we got to take it for what it is and try and dissect it and try and like have the debate and conversation. Um, I will say this. This was the fifth episode of the show which was written and directed by Dave Filoni. If you look at Star Wars TV formula, the fifth episode of every show, Mandalorian 1, Mandalorian 2, Mandalorian 3, Boba Fett are all written and directed by Dave Filoni. Um, They are always, in my opinion, the best episodes of each one of the series so far. So I can't wait to see more fifth episodes. And I knew that walking in, I'm like, ooh, fifth episode, Dave Floney episode. Here we go. You know, I didn't even have to look at the credits. I knew before I walked into the episode. So
1: Right. Um, so the the last thing I'll say, um, because I don't want to go on praising the whole Purgle thing too much, but when it so the previous episode when it's shown how Sabine ends up going to the other galaxy. And Ahsoka, you know, fell off the cliff, and she's in this weird nexus zone. And uh, you know, where we have this big question mark, like, how is um, Ahsoka going to join up with Sabine? How are they going to stop? Um, how are they going to stop them from, uh, you know, getting thrown and everything like that? I love that they use the pergals because, again, it's something I haven't seen. But the way that, um, let's see, which episode was this? So this was episode five. So the way episode four ended. I assumed in this uh, Force Nexus realm that Ahsoka was in, I thought that they were going to kind of do a cap out and have Ahsoka somehow go through the Nexus and, uh, you know, come out in the other galaxy. Like, I thought there was going to be some cap out where she was going to like spiritually go to the other galaxy and she was just going to be there and i love that uh the purgles was like this really cool way to logistically get her to the next galaxy in a way that makes sense that didn't feel like a cap out and uh i was like really pleasantly surprised that they did it yeah. that way because when i watched uh episode four i was like they're going to take the like this is the easiest way to to do this and they're going to take the easy way out so i was really i was really happy to see that so yeah um and i agree with you so i'm really curious to see that and i think it's awesome
0: that we got to see the the purgles, like jump through hyperspace that was awesome <laughs> right um so yeah seeing star wars is no um they're no stranger to having space creatures, so don't think to yourself, how is this possible? Um, go all the way back to the original trilogy and look at the Minox and the space worm, the space slug. Um, they exist. So, um, you know, it's not it's not unheard of. And then this isn't the first time we saw the purgles. They existed in the Clone Wars. You saw them in rebels. We saw them here. You know, there's this they've been around for a while. Um So, uh, yeah, I don't know. The episode is great. I can't wait for more. I'm telling you, though, we're on five episodes in and we have not seen Grand Admiral Thrawn yet. And he is one of those like um, insanely. um, He's one of those really great villains. He's probably one of the best villains in the Star Wars like mythos. Um, And I'm been like dying to see him on screen because, you know, we need to see Thrawn on screen. So, yeah it on (laughs) yeah anyway um let's talk about the news shall we um news is kind of light but that's all right um so first off it's got a handful of marvel stuff so we'll come back there a second um christopher nolan is reported was reportedly in talks to do the next james bond film before the strike um I think that's kind of cool. I think uh, Christopher Nolan would do a really good job with James Bond. When you look at some of his other films, when Tenant would be the best example. If you want to see Tenet, and uh, Inception would be great examples. If you want to see and like put those under the guise of like a Bond film, I think it'd be really really cool to see him tackle it. And he knows how to deal with IP that's not his own because of the Dark Knight trilogy. But yeah, I, I like
1: the idea. I know it's a different beast like Bond and Batman is a different beast, but I do feel like we can look at the Dark Knight trilogy as a way that Christopher Nolan would handle a James Bond film like he because he showed in the Dark Knight trilogy, he takes the concept of Batman, which I never thought was cheesy, but I'm sure there's certain people who do you know, it's a it's a superhero and he Grounded everything and he brought us uh, gadgets and the gadgets were all badass, but they're also really believable. And I feel like you can see how he would use a similar approach to James Bond and give us something that's both out of this world, bombastic and awesome, but also something that is very grounded and uh, very easy to uh, suspend your disbelief. So, uh, yeah, that's that's great. But did you say this is actually happening or this was scrapped? Well, he was
0: supposed to it was supposed to it was supposed, he was reportedly in talks to be the next director of the next bond. And then the strikes happened. So I don't know where we land on that. But hopefully when it all happens, maybe he'll go back into discussions. Yeah, so he, that would be that would be amazing if he he actually could do it. So, yeah. Okay. Here's the weird one, but this one sounds awesome. Toy Story Football. Um, Disney Plus is going to stream a Toy Story-themed animated simulacast of an NFL game. Check this out. The Atlanta Falcons and Jacksonville Jaguars will transform into animated Toy Story-style characters and play in the setting of Andy's room. The players' moves in Andy's room will replicate on-the-field gameplay from the stadium in real time. The tracking technology uses the NFL's next-gen stats, player tracking data, and beyond sports. Um, I might watch that instead of the actual game. <laughs> like, that, act- that actually sounds kind of cool.
1: <laughs> no, that's a,
0: that's... I just, the idea of a toy story football is hilarious. And um, if they're going to do it on that level, like that could be kind of cool because if you think about it, the toys will be the audience or the coaches or, you know what I mean? It'd be weird. I don't know. Like you could, who knows what's going to come out of that, but that sounds fantastic. And it'll, it'll be aired like at the same time as an actual game. So if you miss it, it'll probably be on Disney plus feed to rewatch, but it
1: could be interesting. So. It is very interesting. Um it's, I, I guess it's kind of gimmicky, but it's also like a fun piece of uh, television history right there. Like, that's pretty yeah. cool that they're doing that, you know? Yeah. All right. Um,
0: Crow reboot. Uh, lands at Lionsgate. Um, the original the original film left an incredible mark on the culture that lives on and the producers in a joint statement. We are thrilled to bring a new adaptation for today's audience that respects the legacy. Um, who is it? Uh, yeah okay yeah basically uh they got the crow is coming from uh Lionsgate. so that's awesome i feel <laughs> like it's a very long time like i was just rereading over the story to make sure i wasn't missing something but like it's gonna start bill scars um yeah i'm just i i look at it as I'm totally down for this, but I'm also like, we've been waiting for another Crow film for how long now?
1: This movie's been been in pre-production hell for like 10 years now. Um, I feel like it's in pre-production hell for 30 at this point, but hey. (laughs) Well, I don't know when they actually started planning the reboot, because I know they had the original Crow, and they've had a couple sequels, but... uh, I first started hearing about this reboot like 10 years ago and it's been it's been passed around to different uh, directors. Um, At one point, uh, Jason Momoa was supposed to be the crow. I think that Bill Skarsgård is a much better fit. I think he's a great actor and I'd love to see him in this movie. Um, And it's awesome that it's moving forward at Lionsgate. It's just one of those things where it's like I just want to see the freaking movie. You know, this is like the Spawn reboot that Todd McFarlane teases us with every couple of years. Like, I just want to see the movie. I'm tired of hearing the pre-production. And it's one of those things that kind of sucks is the longer a movie is in pre-production, the less faith I have in it because it makes me feel like there's there's something wrong. You know, like, why isn't it moving forward? Like, is there something wrong with the script? Is, for some reason, the product, uh, the project, like people don't want to, you know, cement themselves onto it because there's just something amiss, you know. So I am a little bit worried, but if the movie's actually moving forward, that's great to hear, you know, because yeah. Bill Skarsgard is the crow, you know, you can't go wrong there. Yeah, agreed. So I think I think
0: it could be really exciting and I and um The Crow I think is one of the first I think it's the movie that really helped cement slash launch the goth culture
1: <laughs>
0: and and this crazy world we lived in today i think that should come back in full swing so let's get, it, <laughs> let's get the crow let's get the crow movie
1: back out there so it totally has um did, did i ever tell you what uh so our brother and uh show guest occasionally scott had a birthday party recently and uh our other you know Uh, semi-frequent show guest uh, Adam did I ever tell you what he told me Um, well no it's actually me telling him something but he had a funny reaction to it because there was a poll I'm just commenting on this because you brought up the goth thing so this is a total tangent but I thought it was really funny Uh, there was a poll recently that showed that interest in new metal like NU metal is the highest it's been now since like the 90s so like People right now are all about new metal, like corn, limp biscuit, Deftones, slipknot, like all that stuff. Like interest on the internet and that stuff is the highest it's been for like two decades at this point. And uh I, I don't remember why it came up, but I told Adam about that. And his response was, yeah, because all the music sucks nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a perfect like response back to that. I was like, okay, very good point. That's amazing. So <laughs> All right. Well moving on. Um,
0: you're a tech, you're a fan of Attack on Titan, right? A little bit, yeah. Okay. The final episode will air November fourth. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if you knew it was coming to a close. I certainly didn't. I decided to let you know. The final episode of Attack on Titan comes to a close on November fourth. So
1: yeah, I, I'm kind of a couple seasons behind. um so that's why I wouldn't say I'm the most hardcore fan, but uh, that's interesting. from what I know about where the season where the series goes because I do know some spoilers, it's definitely a story with a finite end. you know, it's not like your Dragon Ball Z that can keep going and going and going. like it's definitely like there is a finite end of the story. so it's uh I guess it's pretty cool that they're actually uh, getting there, you know, yeah. Um, all right. There is a new genus of spider that exists
0: in the world. Awesome. Um, scientists from Perth's uh, Murdoch University, which is in. Um, and Federal University of Rio de Janeiro um, have named a new genus and species of spider after Marvel's symbiote and the actor who plays them. Um, so Tom Hardy is getting his own Spider. This is going to make you laugh. The spider is called Venomous Tom Hardy. <laughs> um, Tom Hardy being one word. Um, I thought that was interesting. It was discovered with markings that reminded them of Venom and Tom Hardy. And if you look at if you look this up, the abdomen of the spider has markings on the back that look like Venom's eyes. Cool. Um, really cool. Um, so I just thought that was awesome that Tom Hardy's got a spider named after him. <laughs> the venomous Tom Hardy.
1: Um, I mean, that's equally awesome, but also like you could have come up with a better name <laughs> than that. Well, that the is best pretty as awesome. if
0: like you found it in your house and someone's like, What
1: is that? And you're like, Oh, it's the venomous Tom
0: Hardy. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> um, all right, let's move over to Marvel because this is some stuff. Sam Raimi is reportedly the top choice director for Avengers Secret Wars. Awesome!
1: Nice. Um,
0: I thought he came in and did a like just a knock out of the park kind of job with Doctor Strange too, and I really can't wait to see more Doctor Strange because of it. But it makes me excited for Secret Wars because they're going to have a tall order to uh, handle. However. This is a really good segue into the next story. Is the Deadpool 3, I believe, is shaping up to be probably the greatest Marvel film of all time. And yes, I'm come at me, bro, because I'm even stacking that up against Endgame and Infinity War and all that nonsense. This movie, if they're pull if they're gonna pull off what they're gonna pull off, holy cow, man. So first off, um, Deadpool 3 director Sean Levy calls the movie an R-rated bloodbath. You have two major movie stars together in a movie playing their most iconic signature roles. That is a director heaven, um, referring to the Deadpool and Wolverine team up. All right. Check this out. They're also reportedly bringing back Daphne Keene's X-23. So Daphne Keene, who played X-23 in Logan, is reportedly reprising her role for Deadpool 3. As X-23, which that makes, like, I was, she was one of my favorite parts of Logan. She's such an amazing actress. Um, Deadpool 3 will in, it reportedly include Battleworld, which is a major location from Secret Wars. Nice. Um, which, that blows my mind. And then we have this. Deadpool 3 will reportedly be an, an integral lead-up to Avengers Secret Wars. The film will feature Battleworld a new Earth that the TVA is populating with select heroes from multiple collapsing realities. So the TVA from the Loki series is pulling characters from the collapsing realities and sticking them on Battleworld. Earlier rumors revealed that Doctor Strange's variants would be a main main cause of incursions across the multiverse and would be explored in Doctor Strange 3 and the upcoming Avengers films. (laughs) Okay, there is so much to impact there, and I feel like Deadpool's right in the middle of it, and when you see and you and I have talked about it, I really think Deadpool 3 is going to be Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. Yeah, it's got to
1: be some some variation of that. Um, I recently saw, I don't know if you saw it, I actually retweeted a story about it, but Daniel Radcliffe is rumored to be in Deadpool 3, playing some Marvel character, and we don't know who it is yet, but... Daniel Radcliffe was rumored to uh, potentially or not even rumored. He was more like fan cast. A lot of people wanted to see him cast as Wolverine just because he's like a shorter guy. He can grow a beard. He's a pretty good actor. He could bulk up. Let's see him put on the yellow spandex sort of thing. Um, So I just retweeted that story and just said snicked snicked. But it's like, are we getting multiple Wolverines in Deadpool 3? Is Daniel Radcliffe actually in it, but he's going to play a different character? The crazy thing is when you bring in Deadpool, probably the most meta, maybe not most, but one of the most meta characters in comics ever, uh, you know, very third uh, or fourth wall breaking, you have the TVA, you know, crazy organization that oversees time travel, etc., And then you have the Doctor Strange multiverse stuff. Bringing them all together, they can literally put in any character, as many versions of any character they want. They can literally do whatever they want. And I can speak as a skeptic, always saying, like, you know, the MCU is great, but if they introduce the X-Men, it's just not going to make sense because they'd have to be, like oh, by the way, mutants existed the whole time, but they're now in a place where they have three options to introduce any character or any concept, and it'll seamlessly work. So it's kind of crazy that they're going to be able to pull off literally whatever they want at this point, you know? (laughs) Well, the downside of that, and I agree 100%
0: with you, but the downside of that, which has me a little concerned, is that Marvel's at a weird point in their... Us, they're at a weird point in a situation where um, they basically, there's no stakes. Um, yes. There's no, like, if a character dies, you're just like, eh, they'll be, they'll be back. Eh, you know, they're, yeah, I get it. But, you know, Captain America's old now, but there's a version of him out there that's still young and we will still get Chris Evans. You know, ah, uh, okay, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be back. I get it. There's no stakes and that's an issue that um like you run into when you play with this kind of stuff and you got to be very careful with it so um
1: it's it's definitely a symptom of multiverses um yeah. that is an issue where like things feel less consequential when you have a character to die off in one universe but then well, the next universe over they're still alive and well but well, I it's, it's like, the consequence of a
0: multiverse like this because if you go look at the original multiverse, which I believe is Dungeons and Dragons, it's not alternate realities that mirror your existing reality. They're alternate realities. They're they're planes of existence. So you have yeah. the Shadowfell, you have the Feywild, you have these things that don't mirror. It's like they're they exist out there, but they're it's it's not the same type of multiverse. This is we're talking about a multiverse where. You have Earth-1, Earth-2, Earth-3, Earth-4, and so on and so on, you know.
1: So I, I would, um, I, w- I was definitely genera- generalizing that uh, there. So I feel like okay. you, if handled right, you won't necessarily run into that op that problem, but it is an issue that is pretty prevalent when you do things with multiverses where you have to be very careful to not, um, to not make things feel less consequential. And I actually do think it is very hard to do when you do multiverse stuff. And as cool as some of the multiverse stuff is, it definitely is a problem. So I'm agreeing with you on the fact that like Marvel is in a weird place, but I also feel like they could get out of it though too. Like they, if they wanted to, which I don't know if they will, but they could use, Deadpool and Doctor Strange 3 and the Seeker Wars movie to get rid of the multiverse to an extent and tie everything into a little bow. And maybe that bow is tied by having Deadpool kill all the other (laughs) universes. I don't know how they're actually going to do it. But uh, my my whole point was kind of they have literally any option they want right now, which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah, I know. And
0: um, I agree with you. It
1: is interesting and we're
0: going to see. But man, Deadpool three has me all kinds of excited, man. (laughs) Like the more I hear about it, I'm like, man, if you guys freaking pull this off, holy cow. Um, Yeah. Anyway, um, how about uh, we talk about uh, tonight's list? Oh, yeah, let's go for it. All right, man. uh, We are going to roll the thing. Now for the top five, all right, Peter. This week was mine. Um, this was my pick this week, and I found this I, I thought this would be kind of a cool list to do and discuss because I really do enjoy the theatrical experience. I want to go to the theater and see movies. Um, I think everyone should go to the theater and see movies, and I feel like that's dwindling a little bit, but. Some of my fondest memories of seeing movies are at theaters. And there's a point where like, yeah, we have all this streaming stuff. So some people are going to wait for the go wait for it to be at home and stuff like that. And I always feel like I don't know why, but I always feel like I need to be like the first to see things. I'm always like, no, I got to go. It's opening night. I got to go. That's I don't <laughs> know where that mentality came from. So I've seen so many movies like right away. And now I'm at a point where as long as I see it opening weekend, I'm good to go. Um, But I've seen so many movies in the realm of opening nights, as in wait in line to get your tickets, wait in line to get your good seats because they weren't doing assigned seats, that kind of stuff. Um, Getting to the movie theaters three hours in advance, waiting in line to get in, get into the theater. Um, That stuff happens that used to happen. Um, I hear that it still happens on occasion in certain places. But, you know, um, those are some really great times for like fun conversations and stuff. But at the same time, you're. There's a special electricity in a theater when it's something super exciting. Think about, like, I've seen footage. We've all seen reaction videos of people getting excited in the theater when uh, Captain America picked up Thor's hammer in Endgame. You know what I mean? And you've seen reaction videos of other, like, things like that. But there's, like, this special electricity and energy in a theater when it's opening night. And it's the true fans that go out. Um, yeah, I remember a long time ago, this was back, uh, when I was in college, gotta be, I want to say 2000, maybe 2001. If I no, it was 2000, it was either 2000, it was either, it was early 2002. I remember this very specifically now that I have to put my, uh, put it to the, uh, thing here. Uh, I was with a bunch of friends and we randomly, someone randomly said, I believe tonight is opening night of blade Two. And we're all like, all right, stop everything. Time to go to the theater. And we all got in cars and like rushed to the theater to get tickets for Blade (laughs) 2. That's great. In our horrible planning to go see Blade 2 on opening night, we all got there. We all got tickets. We all actually got pretty decent seats. But there was this energy in the room. And we're watching it. where The movie starts, and it's trailer time. The trailer... For Lord of the Rings, Two Towers comes on the screen, and everyone is just in awe and silence watching it. As soon as the trailer ends, there was a standing ovation for a trailer. Okay? (laughs) Right after the trailer aired, Star Wars Episode II Attack of the Clones trailer aired, and there was a standing ovation at the end of the trailer. It was crazy. I'm like, this is nuts! And then the movie was just all kinds of fun and people were laughing and like, you know, having a good old time at the movie. And it was fantastic. It was such a good time watching the movie. But there's that extra um, amount of energy in a room. And it made me realize I've seen so many movies opening nights, opening weekends and all that stuff. And when you go see a movie opening night and you get out of it, all you want to do is talk about the movie. And if you haven't seen the movie, you have nothing cool to talk about. So there's no point. (laughs) So go over there because we're over here talking about this thing that you don't know anything about. I just thought it would be cool to talk about five movies that you wish you saw on opening night. And because there's so many on my repertoire, I'm just like I had to actually dig into the idea that, well, I couldn't have seen this movie for various reasons. Maybe I was too young. Maybe I wasn't born yet. Um, so I was kind of digging into the fact that I could go anywhere, and that's why I told you that last week. So five movies that I wish I was there for opening night. Um, how did did you
1: find this difficult to do? No, not not at all. I, I my list was pretty easy to put together. Um, a lot of them were just like I thought about it, and yeah, there's a lot of them are movies I was just too young for. Um, one of my honorable honorable mentions is a movie that I actually just wish I saw sooner, um, which I can get into that later, but. Yeah, it was it was pretty easy, but it does go into that thing where it's like you see a movie opening night and uh, just being part of that energy of being like the first people to see this film. Um, Sometimes it's a fan favorite movie. Um, For example, I feel like the uh, as much as you could say about liking or disliking the sequel trilogy, one thing that that. Uh, the Star Wars sequels did really well is drum up hype for the movie for the movies and I remember going to theaters and just thinking it was so cool that people were cosplaying everybody was excited about new Star Wars Uh, depending on what theater you went to there might even be members of the 501st Legion who would show up if I'm not incorrect so I was that was a really, really cool experience too when people get that into it where there's like this cosplay level like just fan culture around it um one thing i wanted to mention which this is a little bit of a tangent but i remember seeing uh top gun maverick uh i don't think i saw it opening night but i'm pretty sure i saw it opening weekend and uh that was great like it was such a good experience the energy in the theater was great everybody loved it but then i saw the movie several more times during that that summer and the crowd kept getting better every time and it felt like a cult classic sort of film where the third or fourth time i saw the movie people were laughing were cheering along were quoting certain lines during the movie and it felt like like it wasn't rocky horror picture show level where like nobody was throwing plastic spoons at the screen or anything but there was this sort of like cult culture like built around that movie so sometimes opening night isn't where it's at. Like sometimes a movie builds that culture around it on repeat viewings. But then I know this list is all about like the movies you want to see right away. And I think that's a fun, uh, just topic to explore there. So yeah. 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 All right.
0: Um, well I have one honorable mention. Sounds like you have two. Yes, I do. So
1: I can go first. Uh, the first one I went with, which This is a movie that is another one of those, like, cult movies that I don't know if it really found its audience right away. I don't know if this was a movie that had a big opening, but this would be one of the coolest movies to see opening night because I went with Paranormal Activity for my first honorable mention. And uh, Paranormal Activity, when the first movie came out, they presented it like it's a found footage film and the way it was presented was this is found footage, you know, they're using like really bow bu- bare bones, low budget, special effects. They are doing like a ghost story, but they're doing it on home camcorders and security cams and presenting it as this is a real family that's getting haunted. Like, or this is a real couple that's getting haunted in their home. And, uh, they just wanted to play everything believably. And if you've seen that movie, there's no opening credits. And I could be wrong here, but I heard that for the theatrical cut, there was no closing credits either. So you literally watch oh. this sequence of found footage, and then it just ends. And I, from what I hear, it was like a really chilling experience, because a lot of the people who saw this movie early on we're talking about like, was this real because it was just played off that believably. And that's why I think this one would have been great to see, you know, opening night before you had seen any of the actors go on talk shows before you heard any hype. If you were just one of the first people to see this movie, I feel like that would be a very bizarre o- otherworldly sort of experience, you know?
0: Yeah. That's interesting that you say that. Cause that's a good cross into my first honorable mention. Oh, cool. Um, because I this movie, this movie definitely came out before I was born, but it's a movie that I'd only want to go see under the guise that I've seen the movie and know what to expect. Like if I could get in a time machine, go back in time and watch the movie with an audience just so I could maybe watch the audience more than um, watch the movie, it would be psycho. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you're going to go in, they know they're going to see a movie, but like. You know, like when it does that turn, you get to the shower scene and stuff like that, seeing people react, um, which brings you to other movies as well. Like, man, could I go into The Exorcist and just watch the audience as opposed to watch the movie or go into Jaws and watch the audience as opposed to the movie? But when you think about it, you're just like knowing what Hitchcock was trying to do and what he was trying to achieve, because until that shower scene happens, you really don't know what to expect out of it. You know, right. Uh, but you know that's why i went with psycho i'm just like it's it's a cool honorable mention but this is one that i'm not talking about viewing for the first time like it'd be i want to go in with the preconceived knowledge of i know everything walking in and i'm going to pay attention more to the audience than i am the movie
1: so and and psycho so okay this is a really good call um I don't know if Psycho is considered a slasher movie, if you're, like, a purist about the definition or not, but um, I feel like one of the tenets of a slasher film is doing a first-person shot of the killer. Like, you see the ki- so Like, if you think of, like, uh, the original Halloween or uh, Friday yeah. the 13th, like, both movies do it a ton, where you see through the eyes of the killer, and that was something that was very jarring. And as far as I know... I think I've researched this before where psycho wasn't technically the first movie that did it, but I feel like it was one of the first ones that really brought that concept to like a wide mainstream audience. And I feel like just having that experience because having that, like this is a new innovative way to shoot a horror film and, uh, I mean, Psycho, I think it's one of those movies where when it came out, it was just the scariest thing ever. And being able to go back and experience that, that's got to be just really, that would just be cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. good call. Yeah. All right. What's your next one I will mention? So my next one, this one I think is kind of funny. Um, I actually went with The Force Awakens. So Star Wars Episode Seven, The Force Awakens. And this movie I didn't see opening night. I saw it uh, Saturday night of the weekend that it came out and it was just one of those things like I didn't have anybody to go with and I wasn't able to make it uh, for a Thursday night premiere or a Friday night showing. And uh, it was one of those things where I remember by the time Saturday came that weekend, I just had to see star Wars. I actually ended up going to see it by myself. Cause I was like, everywhere I go, there's star Wars posters or toys. Everybody's talking about it and it's killing me that I haven't seen it. So I just, went to the theater as soon as I had the chance. The problem is, is I was on social media before that and uh, in one of uh, the groups, like one of the Facebook groups I'm in, somebody posted a pretty big spoiler from the movie. So spoiler alert, but I knew uh, that Han Solo died and uh, I knew like how it happened because of a screenshot that somebody posted In a uh, fan group that I'm in online. And that really sucked. And I really wish I would have seen it opening night. (laughs) So there you go.
0: Well you know what's funny. Is I didn't need a spoiler for that. I knew Han Solo died before. I I feel like I was the only person. Who knew Han Solo was going to die in this movie. Um, And like I had it like pegged. I'm like he's going to die. I know they're doing it. And it's specifically because Harrison Ford. Only signed on for one movie. Yeah. And. He wanted Han Solo to die back in 1980 when he got frozen in Carbonite. And you put those two together, you're like, the only way they got Harrison Ford even to consider coming back for this is if he could have Han Solo die.
1: So I I think those are really good points. Uh, My issue is also, like, I saw that he was stabbed by Kylo Ren's lightsaber. I saw the background of the scene. So I knew exactly when it was going to happen before it did. And that's what was annoying. Like, as soon as that scene started, I was like, all right, here's where Han Solo dies. And it kind of I mean, the, the it was a great experience seeing that movie in theaters for the first time. But it just would have been that much better if I didn't know that was coming is also. Yeah. And I. Yeah, so I get you. I didn't know how it
0: was going to happen, but I just wasn't shocked when it happened, like the way the, yeah. rest of the audience in the world was. I just wasn't shocked about it. So, yeah, that, that makes go. absolute sense. All right, I um, we played the game wrong, so you actually have to go again and give me your first actual pick.
1: Right, right. Um, so. Yeah, that, that's no problem. So, for my first pick, um, I went for maybe kind of a similar reason as why you picked Psycho, but I actually went with the original Matrix film. And oh, uh, I saw this opening night, so... <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, so you can shine a little bit of light on this then, because... For me, I remember when I first saw The Matrix, there's like the first half of the film that you're just watching, trying to figure out what is going on. And it's just everything's so interesting and cool. And uh, there's this really awesome cyberpunk aesthetic and stuff. And it's just, you want to know what The Matrix is and what is Neo, you know, what kind of CD underworld is Neo getting himself into? And then you get like halfway through the film and you see... Neo wake up outside of the Matrix in his sort of, like, feeding pod where he, he, you know, pushes his way off of out of the gelatinous goo. And he's completely shaven with, like, feeding tubes and stuff plugged into his body. And you're just like, okay, no, seriously, what is going on? And the Matrix, I feel like it's a movie everybody's seen. Everybody knows all the ins and outs of it. And I feel like as time goes on, it doesn't get enough credit for being... How weird and jarring it would have been to just be their opening night. And I think The Matrix was m- marketed really well as like, this is going to be this awesome action sci fi romp. It's like nothing you've ever seen. Like, you were kind of going into it because you were so into the action, you were so into this costume work, you just knew this movie looked badass. But I think the story is what would really you'd leave the movie and you wouldn't be able to stop thinking about the story and you'd be completely viewing the world differently. And I definitely had that experience, but I feel like having that opening night would have just been so cool. So, Drew, you've seen this opening night. So do you have any comments on this one?
0: Well, this was that thing with the electricity and stuff, but, you know, people were cosplaying and they didn't even know what it was. They were showing up in the black trench coats and the sunglasses and stuff like that. And they didn't fully understand what we were walking into. Um, There was definitely cheering and excitement during some of the fight scene stuff, but you were like, again, you didn't know what was going on. And even when we walked out of the theater, there was a lot of like, oh my God, we need to talk about, we need to talk about everything. Like, (laughs) you know, that kind of stuff. And it was just, and I remember it being absolutely crazy in the sense that you you didn't know what to make of everything you saw, but you knew what everything you saw, and you had to sit and discuss. And it was like, all right, everyone, time to get coffee, time to go someplace to talk, and uh, we're coming back tomorrow and seeing it again. Um, I remember seeing the second Matrix film on opening night as well. Same thing. It was just like, and that was almost felt like it was bigger because people were like. Um, so excited for more matrix and the amount of neos that when you walked into the theater that night everybody
1: was dressed like Neo. (laughs) um (laughs) well that's i'm actually glad you brought that up because i with some of my other picks i did want to talk about this because when it comes to the movie you want to see opening night do you want to see the original film or do you want to see one of the sequels when there's that hype and that culture is built up you know and like Maybe it was more exciting, like maybe you were more anticipatory for uh, the Matrix Reloaded than you were for the Matrix. You know, it's an interesting uh, conversation to have. But uh, yeah, yeah. regardless started.
0: what you thought of the sequel, I know what the energy in that room was like when that movie yes. started. You know what I mean? I know how excited everyone was for that. So different, different world, different conversation. Um, right all there. right. So my first pick um, all of mine from here on out are movies that I wish I was there on opening night with no preconceived knowledge. Not like the psycho thing where I was like, let's go back in the time machine. Like I've seen the movie. I want to go back and watch it opening night. No, this is I wish I was there to enjoy it for the first time with a crowd enjoying it for the first time and not knowing what we were walking into. So all of my picks are built that way. Um, the first one on my list is Back to the Future. Um, very simple. Um, the movie is as exciting as it is. The trailer, if you were to go back and look at the trailer, I don't really know if you had any clue what that movie was about. Aside from it being like probably about time travel um, and you got Michael J. Fox in it and he's going to drive a cool car like <laughs> there's not a lot to that original trailer. And. Um, going in and like when you see uh, when you see the show Stranger Things and they have uh, and everyone's leaving the movie theater because they just saw Back to the Future. Um, it just it made me realize, like, man, I really wish I could have seen that opening night with that original crowd who got to see it that way. It'd just be really fun. So, yeah, that's all. I, I don't have to talk heavily about the movie. I just thought that'd be awesome to see it that way.
1: No, this is this is a great pick. It's a great movie. It's one of those tentpole films. We've talked about it so much, but it's also like. Back to the Future, everybody's going to walk out of that theater being pumped like that's a feel good movie when it comes down to how it ends and how everybody is going to walk out of the theater with a smile on their face and they're all going to be excited about life. And, uh, yeah, that's that's a great call call for all the reasons you said, but also just everybody's going to be pumped up, you know, and that's great, too. So, Yeah. yeah. All right. What's your next one? Yeah, so uh, my next one, pretty similar to The Matrix, but I actually went with uh, Alien, the original Alien. Oh, this made my short list. I was trying to put this into
0: perspective, if Alien um, should be on my list or not
1: on my list. I was really kind of not sure how to,
0: yeah. Anyway, go ahead.
1: No, I mean, so our father has this story about, you know, my dad has a story about he went to see Alien when it first came out. He had no idea what the movie was. He knew that the poster looked cool. The poster says alien. It's a black poster. It's got some weird alien egg looking thing on it. That's all he knew about the film. And then he walks in to the theater and he is introduced to the concept of xenomorphs. He's he's introduced to this crazy evolutionary concept and uh, just this really innovative horror film that he saw And he was, like, so impressed with it. He kind of, like, has been talking about this, like, his whole life to different people. Like, how it was just such a good theater-going experience. And I feel like his enthusiasm for the film in that way definitely did influence why I picked this movie. Because when you think about it, when Alien first came out, and if you were able to go to that movie on opening night, you wouldn't know what you are getting into yourself into, you know? I actually saw the original Alien after I saw aliens after I saw the second film. So yeah, I already,
0: I saw him, I saw him in reverse too.
1: Yeah. And so I already knew about the face huggers. I knew about xenomorphs. I knew how that worked. Um, there is so much of the original alien movie that didn't surprise me, but if that was your first exposure to this and pair that with it being like this, this dark um, kind of slow burn of like this Gothic horror movie in space, I think it would have just been such a fun Movie-going experience and uh like the the matrix it's a movie you would get out and you would just keep thinking about that story in your head and it might make you view the world a little bit differently but that would be a really fun one to be in with the first group of people who actually got to see that movie when it was widely released you know
0: yeah um and i agree with you there and that's um I, when you were describing that, I'm like, yeah, like we did with The Matrix, this like being introduced to this whole world that no one really knows or understands. And you're just like, oh, yeah. you know, like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's a good call on that movie. Um. All right. So the next one on my list is Die Hard. Um, all right. I've talked about my love of this, but at the same time, like my love for the movie Die Hard is one thing, but... I just think it'd be so cool to see like ground floor seat at the beginning. Like I feel like when that movie came out, yeah, it's an eighties action film, but think about like, I feel like die hard. All right. I'm going to compare die hard to bullet train. Okay. We saw the trailer for bullet train. The movie looks cool. I went to the theater and had a ton of fun, right? I feel like that's the same kind of thing that probably happened to die hard. The trailer came out and everyone went, that looks cool. Let's go check this out.
1: <laughs> and then yeah. walked
0: out of the movie. And here we are, X amount of years later, going, It's the greatest Christmas movie ever. And <laughs> having that argument. You know. <laughs> so I just I think it'd be really cool to be part of that I saw Die Hard opening night. That would have been such that's to me, that's like a groundbreaking kind of a conversation, you know.
1: No, absolutely. That's that's a really good call. Um, While you're talking about Die Hard, I actually looked it up. Apparently it came out on July 15th um, of the year it was released. I was kind of curious. I didn't know if it would have came out around Christmas, but I guess it was right before Christmas in July. (laughs) Which
0: is weird because they can put, uh, they can release Deadpool on Valentine's Day because it's a love story
1: and, you know, so... Yeah, but, uh, no, this one would be a blast to go see, and I feel like it's, uh, the 80s and action movies was just such a good era, and this is just right in the heart of, like, that sort of, like, golden age of, you know, Bruce Willis, uh, Schwarzenegger, and, uh, Stallone just releasing just bangers left and right, so, yeah, this would be a great one to go see. Yep. All right, man, what do you got? Okay, so my next one, um... I actually went with Batman uh, 1989, the uh, Tim Burton, the first Batman movie, the first Michael Keaton Batman movie. I have heard stories. So Batman 1989 came out. We matched on this, by the way. So go ahead. We did. Awesome. Okay. so this came out when I was three years old. I do not have any recollection of when the movie came out. Batman Returns came out a few years later um, and kind of... 92. Okay, there you go. And along with Batman Returns, they also uh, Batman, the animated series first came out pretty close to the release of that movie. And I remember everything being about Batman when that happened. Uh, I was in kindergarten at the time, so that uh, I mean, that kind of makes sense that I was going to love it. But no, I remember Batman being everywhere. I remember that Halloween after Batman Returns came out. Everybody was dressed as Batman. They really called it Batmania in the late 80s and early 90s when these Batman films just had so much hype and so much excitement around them. I don't know if the hype was bigger for Batman Returns or Batman 89, but what I was going to say is like listening to podcasts like like a lot of Kevin Smith's podcasts, listening to other comics and pop culture uh, personalities out there, Batmania, because I was just a kid, but from what I've heard, if you were a teenager or an adult, like Batmania around both of those films was so big. Like people were so excited about Batman. And that's what I want to go back and experience. I wish I could go back and experience it as an older, like at an older age. Like I wish I could have been a teenager during Batmania, but I wasn't. And this is the one where the question for me was like, do you go with Bat Batman or do you go with Batman Returns? But from everything I've heard, the uh, Batmania was very prevalent for the first film as well. And that's why I just went with it, because you can't go wrong with that original Batman film. But uh no, this is uh I mean this one just seemed like a shoe-in for me. Uh, Drew do you have any thoughts on like like why did you why did we match on this one you know?
0: Well, so this is that it's the Batmania stuff you're talking about. I mean, they had a billboard of just the bat symbol in Times Square, New York, for a year, right, before and after the movie released. And it was like people were getting people were getting the bat symbol like cut into their hair like you know they'd shave around their head so it would be cut into their hair and stuff like that. Um, it was you couldn't go anywhere like one in every four people were wearing a Batman t shirt. Yes. Um, it was absolutely insane the amount of Batman stuff, and um, and yeah so. Batman 89 came out. I was nine years old. I didn't get to see it. And I remember our uncle coming over and being like, yeah, I went and saw it last night. And everyone asking about it. And he's like, yeah, it's not for kids. Great. (laughs) I'm never seeing this movie. (laughs) It's like, it's pretty dark. It's not for kids. Okay, thanks. Um, I will say that Batman Returns is the first Batman film I saw in a theater. Oh, cool. um, I didn't see Batman Returns on opening night, but I did get to see it in the movie theater, and it was absolutely joyous. Um, and yes, that movie's way darker than the first one, and um, it has a Happy Meal attached to it. So there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Batmania is just incredible, but I would have loved to be a part of... Do you remember, for us, it would be like Star Wars Episode One, All the hype leading up to that film. Yes it'd be the same kind of thing just to experience all that hype leading up to this movie that, you know, whether you like Star Wars episode one or not, Batman, Michael Keaton, Batman delivered on all levels from beginning to end. There was nothing bad about that movie straight to the end of the movie. It's like, it's a, it's a masterpiece and it like all the hype and everything leading up to it, especially like, the uh, the backlash they got for casting Michael Keaton because everyone was like, "Mister, mom's gonna be Batman. What's this garbage?" And then they showed the picture of Michael Keaton in the costume. Not even a trailer, no footage of him. It was just Michael Keaton in the costume, and everyone stopped talking. We're like, "All right, I gotta see this." <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> I've definitely heard uh, Kevin Smith tell that story. How he was so. Adamantly against Mr. Mom being cast as Batman until he saw the movie poster with Michael Keaton in the suit, and he's like, "Well, okay, I want to see this now, so uh, well, not only that, but if you watch that d c documentary on
0: max, um it they talk about that about how the talk went flat as soon as they everyone saw the uh, saw it on saw the picture of the costume
1: i mean it's it's really similar to Ben Affleck, let's be honest." <laughs> Well, so there's a really similar situation there. Um but yeah, uh I not... I not... oh, okay. well what, I I didn't want to cut you off. Yeah, that's all I was gonna say. So go ahead. No. Um no just as an aside, um, since you mentioned it, I'm pretty sure the very first Batman film I saw in theaters would have been uh Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which I think's pretty cool as well. So Oh uh, nice. But uh yeah, I don't know. Um, should I move into my next one, or did you, you kind should, of? Because we pick? matched, so uh, technically it goes to you. <laughs> well, um, flashback to something you were saying a little bit ago. Um, I actually went with uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Uh, this one's a little bit weird because the movie came out. Um, I believe I think the movie was released on a Wednesday. I want to say it was either Wednesday. Wednesday or Thursday night, I feel you know like what? I'm not going to dig it out on air because then it's literally like, hold on. And
0: then we have to pause and all that stuff. But I have my ticket. I guess I could go look. But because I oh. was there opening
1: night for Phantom Menace. So because uh, well, because I feel like I heard it released on Wednesday because they knew the amount of hype that was around it. I believe I saw this movie the Friday that it came out. So regardless, I didn't see it on that sort of Thursday night. Uh, midnight showing like if if I'm wrong and it came out on that Thursday night at midnight I didn't see it till the Friday night so I more or less saw it right away but I was in junior high I didn't have a car you know I went with with all my friends uh, carpooled with one of my friends moms to go see it but uh, we just didn't have the uh, ability to go see movies on our own at that time and it was so awesome like batmania it's hard to describe the level of hype that was around this movie this was like if you opened a newspaper if you turned on the tv if you went to your school cafeteria if you were just walking about like if you went to the mall everybody was talking about new star wars and you have to remember this was like what 20 some years between star wars movies so people had to live through the dark ages and they're finally getting a star Wars film. So one, I wish I was there opening night because I wish I was with all the people, all the fans. I wish I had that. Like if you watch the movie Fanboys, and you go to the end and you have, you know, they're all camping out in front of the theater. You've got hundreds of people wearing like awesome star Wars costumes. They go in the theater, the twenty. 20th Century Fox uh, fanfare comes up. Everybody's cheering. I wish I had that experience for this. But also, I had a little bit of this movie spoiled for me because, like I said, I was in junior high. I think I was in sixth grade when I saw this movie. And uh, one of my classmates, actually, his parents took him to see A Midnight Showing the day before I was able to see it. And that classmate told me that Darth Maul dies at the end of the movie. And I was like, what? (laughs) Well, first of all, I didn't know if I could believe him. Because I was like, no, they're building up Darth Maul as the next big baddie in Star Wars. There's no way that he dies at the end of this movie. But the guy's like, oh, no. Yeah, they cut him in half and he falls down a pit. And so I had that spoiled for me. I mean, in retrospect, he didn't actually die in that moment. But at that point, we thought Darth Maul was a goner. And uh, So yeah, I wish I was there for the opening night fanfare and celebration of the whole thing, but I also just wish I could have avoided that spoiler as well. So uh, there you go. (laughs) That sucks, man. I'm sorry you got that spoiled for you that way. The thing is... And regardless of what anybody feels about this movie when I first saw it and I actually still really really like Phantom Menace but when I first saw it I didn't care like that I had that spoiled this was the greatest moment of my life I like loved the the Phantom Menace through and through I was so hyped for it so even though I did know that it honestly didn't really ruin the experience for me at all I remember like I like I said I was in 6th grade you go to the movie theater you get your large uh you know, you've got your large cup of Coke next to you. You are a kid and you're an idiot, so you drink it all during the trailers. And then you really have to pee as soon as the movie opens. <laughs> but then you're like that big Star Wars fan and you is like, I can't pee. I have to hold this pee for two hours. <laughs> and that's what I did, you know, but it was totally worth it. So uh, good times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say this,
0: and you can fight me all you want. Um, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace is the most anticipated film in film history. You no, it truly really was. You you can give you can throw all the Harry Potter nonsense at me. You can throw all the Avengers Endgame nonsense at me. There is no film that is more anticipated than Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Period. And it comes down to mark. It comes down to the marketing machine. It comes down to the hype. It comes up to the buildup, all starting with the. Uh, Um, The fact that we had to wait 20 years for it and then you throw in the special editions and they use the special editions as a launching pad, like the way it was all built up, the McDonald's toys, the cups, the Pepsi cans, like everything like this was the movie to see. Um, So, yeah, there's no movie that has more anticipation than Phantom Menace.
1: Yeah, Um, and you can actually go back not to go on and on too much about this, but you can go back like there are clips on YouTube of uh, people on that opening night and like everybody was really hyped about it and at least when the movie first came out like the majority of people were actually really on board with this it's actually not until like a while later that a lot of the uh criticism started to become mainstream for this movie so that's probably a conversation for another day but uh it is interesting to go back and look at that stuff so yeah um
0: uh Now, Phantom Menace, I did not put on my list because I saw it opening night. So, yeah. That's great. Um, My next one is Marvel's The Avengers, the first one. Yes. Um, Because of what was going on in my life at the time, I didn't see the movie opening night. I actually had to wait a month after it released on home video. (laughs) So I had to wait a while. By the time I saw the movie, I didn't like it. (laughs) I didn't understand what the hype was about, but I'll bet you one thing, if I saw it opening night with everybody, I probably would have walked out going, this is the greatest. Yeah. But I did not. I literally, the hype killed the movie for me, and I probably would have liked it much better if I would have saw it opening weekend, at the very least opening weekend. But yeah, opening night. Uh,
1: I, I saw it, I think it was the Saturday it came out, so opening weekend. And like, I can tell you the hype in that theater was so high. Everybody kind of like what we were saying with how I imagine people would walk out of back to the future. Everybody walked out of this movie with a smile on their face. It was just like such a fun movie experience. Um, So yeah, I wish you would have gotten to experience that too, but yeah. um, I mean, it is what it is, you know? (laughs)
0: And I feel I, I really, part of me is hoping we matched on this last one. um, But I don't know. So what do you got for your last pick for me?
1: And uh, yes, and this is where it it sucks that you get the final call because I kind of want to know where this goes. But I'm going to go with a Star Wars film like it's it's going to happen. It's I feel like Star Wars is, in my mind, one of the most hyped, one of the most anticipatory opening night franchises ever. And then the question comes in, something I mentioned before. Do you choose Star Wars? Do you choose a new hope or at the time it was just called star Wars. Like, is that the movie you go with or do you go with a sequel because the hype is going to build up that much more? And that's why for my final pick, I actually went with the empire strikes back because okay. the first movie came out. The first movie took the world by storm. I imagine some of the people who went opening night might not exactly know what they're getting into. And I, I, chose the Empire Strikes Back. And I didn't research this a lot, but in my mind, there would be a level of hype that would have built up around them around Star Wars that this would be the one that everybody's in line itching to see. People are gonna start dressing up for this opening night. Uh just the level of anticipation would be so high that I I that's why I went with Emperor, Empire Strikes Back. But when you think about it, This is also the movie that has one of the biggest twists in movie history. And I wanted to be part of that crowd to hear Darth Vader say that he was Luke Skywalker's father. Like, I would want to experience that twist in real time and hear the gasps in the theater. Like, I would want to hear the reaction of a crowd hearing that for the first time. And so this one was a tough, tough call, but that's why I went with The Empire Strikes Back for my final pick.
0: And I'm with you on this, and the way we'll talk about this is that um, I went with Star Wars A New Hope. Yes. And my biggest reason for that was because the the movie had gained traction because of San Diego Comic-Con, because the novelization of the film had released. People knew kind of what they were getting into, but not really, But the buzz around the film had had exploded so heavily that it was literally lightning in a bottle. And there are pictures of the theaters being swarmed with people not being able to get in and not knowing like like the theater didn't know how to the theaters didn't know how to handle the traffic for this movie, Um, which is a really good problem to have. But it's like, we have just way too many people What's going on what, what, why is everyone in theater? Oh, Star Wars is out. What? Like, Oh, I got to go see that. Like, you know what I mean? And seeing that for the first time and walking out of the theater with that crowd, um, who literally just went on a roller coaster and they didn't real like you walked into a movie, not knowing what you were getting. And you're walking out going, I just got off the greatest roller coaster of my life, you know? Um, so I totally understand your point about empire. Uh, but man, it's something special about that first one that I wish I could have said I was at ground zero <laughs> on this one. You know what I mean? Like Star Wars, I've been a lifelong Star Wars fan and I really wish that I could have been there to say that I saw it opening night. I was there in 77, you know, so. This but is such a,
1: it's such an interesting debate and I don't know if you could even answer it For sure, unless you were actually there, because, again, everything you're saying is like, yeah, like maybe I should have chose A New Hope. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, that's a historical film like that your a piece of history when you go see that movie. But then I'm also like, yeah, but Empire is also a piece of history, (laughs) also like, you know, a historic film and one of the best films ever made. And it's just so. Yep. It's so hard to know which way, like, I feel, I don't know if there is an objective truth and it really depends on like, what do you want, you know, which experience do you place more value on? But it's really, really hard to say in this case, you know? Yep.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so Star Wars 77 is my final pick. That's cool. We both chose Star Wars for the end, but um, your reasons pretty valid. It
1: does make me wonder. That was three Star Wars films on my list as a whole. That's all right.
0: It does make me wonder if, because of the Darth Vader twist at the end of Empire Strikes Back, the Return of the Jedi is the line you want to stand in opening night. You know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be really interesting. And we were just talking about episode one and how uh, the fandom's general uh, consensus on that movie seemed to change as time went on. And it would be interesting to go see. Return of the Jedi opening night and hear what people's actual thoughts on Ewoks are. You know, everybody can yeah. retroactively say, oh, I always thought the Ewoks were dumb. You know, they showed me those teddy bears and right away I was like, what is this crap? But honestly, maybe everybody was into the Ewoks right away. You know, I, I know I've always been an Ewoks fan, but there's a lot of Ewoks haters. And I wonder if you were actually in the moment, you know, how they actually, actually reacted to it. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, man, it is your pick next week. What are we doing? So um, I was looking at our list of lists and uh, trying to figure out a little bit. It's kind of weird where you think of show topic ideas and then you look at the list and you're like, well, we already kind of did that. So I'll have to scrap that idea. But the one thing I noticed is we haven't done a ton of years. And uh, if you look at our years that we've done, we've done a lot of years from the two thousands and a lot from the nineties and otherwise not too much from other decades. And I figured I'd pick, pick an eighties list for next week. Uh, so (laughs) I wanted to talk about our top five movies that came out in 1988 next week. So, uh, okay. Yeah. So that'll be a pretty fun one to do. And, uh, I looked it up. There are some classics we can talk about, but maybe we'll pick out some weird ones off the beaten path. And, uh, yeah, with with years, it's weird because I feel like if we do go like back into the 70s and even older, like I feel like there might be a couple years where I'm going to be like, have I even seen enough <laughs> movies this year? But uh, 88, I think, is going to be a pretty fun list to go through from what I saw. So perfect. Um, I'm down. Uh, 88 sounds
0: good to me. I'm really curious to see how many of the movies I've seen. Um, yeah, same with you. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, I was eight years old in 88. So, yeah, let's see what we got. <laughs> um, all right. So, everybody, do us all a favor and check out our website, topfivereport.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media. X, Facebook, and we will get Instagram up there. But we are on Instagram. So, please give us a follow over there because I'm trying to be a little more active and get that up and going. Um, you can... Uh, Subscribe to us on Google, Google, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Amazon, and Audible. If you subscribe to us in those places, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better, and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram, or X and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you?
1: Yeah, you can follow me on X at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be talking about this new spider I discovered called the Carnageous Woody Harrelson.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, I, I believe it's a red spider with lots of stuff coming off of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right, everybody. For the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.